explore good things in Everett, Washington. I am Tyler Chisholm. I am producer Henry J. Garrett is somewhere in traffic right now. That is true. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 124, which is brought to you by Milltown Credit Union, going strong since 1939. Join us as we celebrate 80 years in business. From Visa cards to checking accounts, Milltown Credit Union is your one-stop shop for all of your financial needs. Visit us at milltowncu.org or stop by at 3102 Broadway in beautiful Everett, Washington. On today's episode, we'll be sharing events from the Weekly Goodness, of course, catch up with some news happening around town, some pretty cool stuff, finish our chat with Bill Rucker and play five fast favorites with Everett Police Officer Kirby Duncan. Let's get it started. Okay, so on this week's Life in Everett, we're going to talk about some current events and headlines, and um, they are Funko's buying a new building. Another new building. Another new building. Funko, oh my gosh, they're unstoppable. And we're talking about the Grand Avenue Park Bridge, and then some new flights out of PAE. So Henry, where do we want to start? Well, let's start with Funko because everybody's probably super stoked on that. So according to the Everett Post, Funko is expanding again to the building that's kind of, it's, it's explains it as kitty corner from the main entrance of the Funko building. It's that big, white, nondescript office building that's across from the Cope Gillette Such Theater. Such a Wet cool Moore building. It is, I know it is the Sun Precautions building because that's like the sign that's always been in the window there. But it's I, not that one. It's not that building. It's across the street. It's the one where we got all of our office furniture from. It's the one where we got... Oh, Remember we were there with, with the... Yeah. Oh, the one that the Scott Dolls used to own. Yes. And now it's uh, Kidder Matthews owns it. Oh, really? That's the one? That's the one. It's oh, th- interesting. three or four stories tall. That's cool. Yeah. So Funko's moving in there. I had it all wrong in my head this whole time. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, so I believe it was sold to a GT Wetmore LLC. They are now the new owners, and um, they sent out basically a press release saying that Funko has bought a lot of real estate inside of the building, and if you want to kind of, and with the hopes of expanding, if you want to terminate your lease early or downsize, now is the time to do that. Okay. <laughs> it's in so many words. So Funko is so, trying to lease up as much space of that building as they can. They're probably going to take it okay. all over. Okay. So Funko is not, they're not um, buying the building. They're just going to lease it. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. It just says that they've, they're expanding. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if they bought the building or not, but it's probably, who knows what they're going to do with it. Man, Funko, unstoppable. I know. Things must be going pretty well on the plastic toy business. Probably. So it's cool. More Funko employees, more <clears throat> critical mass downtown for the restaurants and all of that. That's awesome. Okay, so there's news on the uh, Grand, Grand Avenue Park footbridge too, right? Yes, from men.com. Sorry, myevernews.com. <laughs> from the men website. Um you know, there's been some kind of craziness with the date of when they're actually going to hoist the bridge into the sky. Okay. Okay. Please tell me that it's still going to be in 2019. It is still going to be in 2019. Oh, good. I'm trying to find the der- the actual date right now. It's kind of buried in here. Here we go. So the roadway will be closed, which is uh, Marine View Drive, will be closed from September 13th to the 18th. Ooh. Okay, so that's um, not that. That's uh, just right around the corner. It says also up to 10 days during the second half of September for them to lift uh, 
to build the lifting towers the, uh, for the roadway or in the roadway and prepare to lift and move the bridge span. So they're getting it ready 13th through the 18th, and then they're going to close it again during the second half of September up to 10 days. So I believe I'm reading that correctly. So we're saying the bridge is going to be moved sometime in September. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's happening. Yep. That's very exciting. I cannot wait for that footbridge to open. Me too. It's going to be really cool. The one question that I have, and maybe somebody can answer this for us, is that they're putting like all these sewer lines like underneath it. Yeah. Where are those going to go? Out into the ocean? <laughs> where, where where do those sewer lines go? Because it's coming from... They're from not the sewer lines. They're uh, like water runoff. Because I, so. read, I read water and sewer. So Water and sewer. That's what I read. But maybe maybe that... I you remember know, when maybe the, it's just storm drain stuff. I, I don't remember know. when the footbridge was first pitched and it came out and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who works at the city and they said, yeah, it's a great added benefit to some like much needed infrastructure we need for water runoff, you know, because North, remember North Everett flooded. Yes. Um, everyone poop washed up in everyone's basement, Yes, you know, because of the the single system where the rainwater and the sewage goes into the same. So I believe that this has this something to do with um, that system. It seems like that, that is kind of like a, like they're going to do this anyway. Totally. Then they just decided to put a footbridge on top of it and like make it it more useful. That's how I understand it, that they had to put the the pipes over anyway. So it was like, well, we might as well make an awesome bridge so people can um, do this thing that everyone's always wanted to do. I'm super stoked. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it, too. So the last bit of news is, and it's kind of old, but, you know, we were busy with Food Truck Festival and all that, but Alaska Airlines is going to offer direct flights from Spokane to Everett and from Everett to Spokane. That's awesome. According to the Spokesman Review from oh, Spokane, Washington. Okay. I picked a Spokane news source. Oh, okay. I like it. You didn't pick the uh, Inland Empire? No. Okay. I, didn't. I also didn't pick... Uh, Her- the Herald, which I'm sure about this. <laughs> I just couldn't find it. Yeah, totally. I remember when this came across a couple of weeks ago, um, with some of the tourism work that I'm doing, we're actually in the process of updating a bunch of our print collateral to show that you can now, uh, starting in November, fly from Spokane. I believe it's November 4th. Is that what you're seeing in there? Yes, cool. you're correct. So November 4th, you'll be able to fly from Everett to Spokane and Spokane to Everett, and that is awesome. Have you ever been to Spokane? Yes. Spokane's really cool. I went there in my early 20s to hang out with a friend after they moved there um, and spent like a week just hanging out in downtown Spokane and snowboarding. It was in the middle of winter. And it's a really cool, it's got like Everett vibes. Um, yeah, definitely. But it's got like a cool railroad that runs through the center of town and it's all like elevated bridges and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Super rad. Totally. So uh, I had no idea. But I played a show there at a burrito place. With Fauna Shades. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and then with Bad Optics, I ate at a, um, oh, what is that place called? What's the Australian um, steakhouse? Outback. The Outback. I <laughs> ate at an Outback steakhouse with Bad Optics there. Did you have a Bloomin' Onion? I did for the first time ever. <laughs> My God, was that disgusting. It was so gross. And I haven't been to an Outback in forever. But let me tell you, that my dad's side of the family, that is that was the birthday place. Everyone Really? Wanted, yeah, like. Oh, we're going out back because it's Susie's birthday. And um, did you hear my? I don't think you were at the OEA show yet, but I made a lot of Black Angus jokes. Okay, so before I was vegetarian, Tyler loves the Black I Angus. Do, I love Black <laughs> Angus, and I and I know that it's like funny and a joke to love Black Angus, but I truly, really 
when I was still eating meat, loved Black Angus. I thought it was a great restaurant for the value. Uh, it has a lot of nostalgic, um, holds like a special place in my heart because it's where my late mother and I would always go after school clothes shopping when I was a kid. So To the one in South, used to be in South Everett? Yeah, the one that's now a plasma center, yes. plasma donation center on, uh, near Casino Road. That <laughs> used to be a Black Angus. Yes, it was. So I used to go there all yeah, the time too. Yeah, we'd hit up the Everett Mall. I'd go to Zoomies, I'd get my school clothes, um, and then we'd go to Black Angus. And uh, we always they always had, like, good coupons, so I felt like it was, like, you know, never had a lot of money. It was, like, the fanciest thing that we ever right. did, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I love loved Black Angus. Don't make fun of it. Where is the closest one? We're, we're going off on a tangent here, and I don't care. Let's find the closest Black Angus. Well, Henry, there used to be one in Linwood, but I drove by it the other day recently. Um, the other day recently, that's kind of redundant. Um, and it wasn't there anymore. Oh, RIP. It looks like the closest one is in Federal Way. Ooh, okay. Gotcha. Another go reason to go to Federal Way. Yep, for sure. Visit. This is now a Live in Federal Way podcast. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to pick up and move because of the Black Angus is there. <laughs> yeah, totally a black gang guy. Yes. So let's um, let's talk about the food truck festival real quick. Yeah, I'm I, tired. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long day. You worked a lot more than I did. I just played music for six hours and stared at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was our best year yet. Um, I really do. And the in the Yum Run <clears throat> went off without a hitch, uh, and uh, that's cool. There was a lot of moving parts, and all of them could have gone wrong, but I felt like everything was fantastic, at least from my end. Totally. And I feel like if I tried to thank everybody who deserves a thank you, I would forget somebody. So I just want to say, if you were all involved in helping to make the Everett Food Truck Festival and uh, Yum Run 5K a reality, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I had It was like the funnest day I've had in a long time. It and, was a good day um, for sure. Nobody died and a lot of people had fun. Nobody choked on food. Nope. Not that I know of. <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> God, I hope not. So yes, thank yeah, thank you so much. It was a blast. A lot of people were coming up to me at Wetmore Plaza telling me that I was playing good music and they recognized me and blah blah blah. And Some little kids asked for my autograph. I could not really <laughs> it was, the, it was Some... the coolest thing ever. I wrote stay in school on their hat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I tell you about the Q13 interview that Garrett and I did? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> did they did they air it? Do you know? I don't know if they've aired it. I hope they did, but get this, man. So, it's like towards the end of the festival when we hear that Q13 is on site. And I look at Garrett, I'm like, "Garrett, let's go talk to Q13. They're, you know, down the way. Grab Fishhead or Fisher, the Fishhead." So, Garrett did an interview uh, an on-camera interview wearing his like pizza hat talking about the festival and I'm in the background like 10 feet behind him and the Fisher really crappy mascot head <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just standing back there like video bombing this whole thing you nice. know and I've got like the clipboard and I'm like I was acting like I was a real jerk and I was screaming at people like with my clipboard I was like shaking it in the air and like pointing <laughs> at random people and then eventually I just started like <laughs> dabbing <laughs> oh wow you brought back dabbing <laughs> wow and man <laughs> i do <laughs> i just hope i hope they put it on the air because it's 
after we're done <laughs> so recording, stupid. we need to watch this. Um, <laughs> I had a little kid come up to me and he was like, he was like, do you take record? He was like, like your, uh, stereotypical, like kind of like annoying, I'm using air quotes, annoying little kid from like a movie. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, he was like, do you take requests on this thing? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, can you play Africa? And I was like, by Toto. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll play it for you next. And then like, he came up to me, Blondie was playing. And then like 30 seconds later, he's like, are you going to play my song yet? And I'm like, yeah, when it's done. And then he like kept coming up and like requesting stuff that I didn't know what he was saying. No, that's so awesome. I felt kind of bad, but he was super stoked that I played Africa by Toto. So one thing I did this year at the food truck festival that I'd never done before because it didn't exist is I used a lime scooter for setup and teardown and it, I probably racked up like $25 in lime Ooh. charges, which is, you know, I was like riding for probably like over an hour, um, between the two, probably like two hours. What did your map look like when you were done? Just up and down Wetmore and wow. up, up California. Yeah. And it was awesome, man. I was like, I was getting really good at it. I could ride one handed and like kneel down on my lime scooter and like grab garbage while I like rode past it and like threw it in the garbage. Oh, I wish I was there to see that. I I was like towing a big toter garbage can with one arm and riding the lime with another up California. I think some, somebody sent me a video of me doing it. That's super and cool. And so another reason to love the lime scooters. Like normally at the end of the food truck festival, I'm so tired of walking around all day and the thought of having to walk a block and pick up like every little piece of litter is miserable. But when you do it on a lime scooter, it's fast and it's fun. There we go. So I want to try to use lime scooters in that way more often to make my life more efficient. Maybe mowing my lawn, you know. I would like to see yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it. That's, that's it. That's all <laughs> that we got for this segment. <laughs> Drop us a line through social media or leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. 425-341-3731. Okay, so let's take a look at some events happening around Everett in the Weekly Goodness, the weekly email newsletter that we send out every Monday. Henry, what are you doing this week? What am I not doing this week is the question. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm probably going to go to the Aquasox game because their season's almost over on Sunday. They're doing fan appreciation day. Wait a minute. Their season ends on Sunday? Regular season. I believe that they're going to the playoffs. Uh, I'm not too sure, but... um, I know that they're like in first or second. So regular season ends this weekend. Um, I believe their their final regular season game is either on Monday or Tuesday. But the penultimate regular season game, which means second to last. Okay. Uh, Sunday at 4.10 p.m., they're taking on the Vancouver Canadians. They're going to do a bunch of stuff. Fan Appreciation Day is always a good time. So probably going to head down for a little matinee game, get out in the sunshine. That's pretty cool. Um, tan my gams what are you gonna do what are gams legs why do they call them gams i don't know it's some like weird sexist speech from the 40s which is really funny to me it's like something like bugs bunny says like oh look at those gams oh that's funny gorgeous you got a good pair of gams oh my gosh not cool man no um you know now that we're over the food truck festival and i have time to actually do things again i'm gonna go thursday night i'm gonna go to music the marina and I haven't really made it down to very many this summer because I've been so busy. But it's the last one, Clinton Furon, uh, like reggae stuff, you know. Right. And it's Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And I'm going to go down there. And I don't think I'll do much dancing, to be honest. But I'll probably just do a lot of watching and talking and hanging out. Nice. It'll be a good time. 
Um, I do want to give an honorable mention to uh, Hops for Hope, which is happening Thursday at 6 p.m. So you can kind of pre-funk there before oh, you yeah, go, that's to, a good call. go to Clinton Fearon. Um, a dollar from every pint purchased at Toggles uh, will be donated to cancer patient programs and services. So you can drink for a cause, which is pretty cool. So shout out to Toggles. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, a couple things going on at Toggles this week. Looks like they have Skookum Brewers Night at Toggles. That's on Wednesday, on at, 6 Wednesday at 6 p.m. And uh, Skookum is probably the best brewery in Snohomish County. That is what I've heard. Yeah, they make amazing stuff. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's what we picked out for this week. For more details and to get the weekly goodness sent directly to your inbox every Monday, just go to liveinevert.com slash subscribe. And up next is part two of our interview with Bill Rucker. So stay tuned for that. So your grandmother, uh, Ruby Brown Rucker, um, now she was alive until the 1970s. Um, and from your Herald interview, it sounded like you were pretty close with her. Uh, yeah. I mean, she was in her, she was about 80 when she passed, 83, I think, I'm not sure. But I know, but I was 30 or more, and my dad, who was one of her two children had already passed away and her only daughter had already passed away. But there were myself and one cousin that were still living. Um, yeah, so she was a nice grandma and a nicely, very modest, lived in a very modest apartment house in downtown Everett. And uh, um, I mean, didn't own a car and she just was a nice lady, but she was smart. She. She was the second graduate of Everett High School. Her best friend was the first graduate, and they had one graduate each year, the first two years. That's all <laughs> there were in school. So then she became, it's kind of an old story, she became a Latin teacher there, and then she married my grandpa and uh, mm. jumped up a little bit in the social register, I guess, except she was, she was a Phi Beta Cap at the University of Washington. And you think back, and most of us, especially my generation, do not have grandparents that were women that were even going to college, you know. I mean, in fact, even the age you guys are, maybe your mothers would have gone to college and maybe they wouldn't. I mean, now, yeah, pretty right, much right. your age, they do. But um, So she was kind of a remarkable woman. And then um, I think, was it her mother um, was one of the people that started the Everett Book Club? Yeah. Yeah, which is, my, my wife is a part of that book club now. It's 125 going, years old this year. Yeah, it's been going a long time. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> well, there have been a couple stories about that in the paper lately, but you have to remember there weren't many women in town when this was all going on. I mean, there were some business people that probably had wives, and then everybody else was a shingle worker, a logger, a farmer or something, and, and they probably had wives, or some did and some didn't, but um, they wouldn't have been probably w particularly well-educated. The ones that were were the ones that moved here from back east uh, and came, you know, with people that were in business and did that kind of stuff. So so they did all start the book club, and to their credit, and it kind of led to the hospital, too, and some other things, but again, they were... They were, there was nothing elite about it, but they were just a group that was a small group. They were probably the only people that, that were had any kind of an education and experience and things like that, I would guess. Right. You know. Yeah, that's it's really cool. That, that, that's one thing that's been cool as I've been 
researching the story is it's not only the Rucker family story, but then you learn, oh yeah, this person started the Everett Book Club or, you know, the stories about yeah. the Monte Cristo Hotel yeah. and all, all these other Because it's all things. the same people. Right. It's, of, it's all yeah. connected. A lot. Yep. A lot of connectedness there. I am curious um, uh, if you have any kind of specific memories um, of your grandpa, uh, Bethel or, or BJ. Um, I'm, I'm so curious what him or even his brother Wyatt, what their character was like, or, you know, like what, what type of people they were. <clears throat> I can't say that I do. I remember, I have one memory of my grandfather and it was, I was like four and a half or something and they had lived in, on a, on a, in, near, on Hoyt near Everett High School and they had a, where you would go up a few stairs to go up to the house. And I remember going up there and and he was there and he was like 83 or something and I was four or five and and he was, and he, I just, you know, I mean, sometimes you have memories and you find out somebody told you this so many times that now you remember it and right. it didn't happen, but I think it did. He was just kind of a kindly guy and he wasn't very big by then and just kind of an, balding and just seemed like he was real nice. I mean, my grandmother, I remember really well, obviously, because she lived till I was in the, you know, till I was 30, I think, I'm not sure, something like that. Um, although I was actually a lot closer to my my other grandparents, but, but Ruby was a neat lady. Um, but but memories of him, that's, that's almost the only one. Now my grandmother, uh, I, I enjoyed, she was the one who told me about having, about how she would take her husband down to the river and the buggy to take him to work, you know, to commute and thing. She also told an interesting story that, and I, I don't want to confuse the names, but I think it was James J. Hill, the guy that ultimately brought the railroad that everybody here was lobbying for and wanted to come, especially people like my grandfather, because they were in the businesses where that would be beneficial. But. Um, wanted to have the railroad come and have a western terminus be Everett and ultimately he came here to Everett but then it kept going you know then they went around the corner and went down the water down to Seattle and that became where the railroad ended. but my grandma used to tell when she'd say yeah and that J.J. Hill guy she said he would come to town and we'd have him to come to dinner and he'd spend the night and we'd talk about things and they were kind of recruiting him in a sense and and uh, I mean and that's being right and when history's being made you know when she was talking about that so yeah yeah that's got to be fascinating be, to, yeah. yeah to think of like okay well this is the guy who brought the railroad the here railroad, you know yeah. like there's only going to be one shot at this you know yeah. like only one time in history <laughs> that is so cool that's pretty wild so that house you mentioned on hoyt i know uh like you said before they weren't in the mansion for very long. No. And then they, I, I believe, didn't they trade houses with, uh, was it Clyde Walton? <laughs> yep. That, uh, and Lake and, Stevens. And, uh, oh, that was the Lake that Stevens house. That was Lake house. Stevens, yeah. Oh, okay. And then they had, and then they had a mill out there, and then Walton's had a bigger mill here in Everett. So, yeah, they just traded houses. <laughs> it's funny. That's what I've heard. Now, I will say this. I have a little tie to that house. I have a really neat grandfather clock and uh in a chair that's kind of fascinating that came out of that house that I kind of treasure just because it's from that time. Oh, very know. cool. And but, is that house still there, the one in Lake Stevens? Uh, yeah, but I don't know which house it is. Okay. 
But I would, I would, I would tell you one more. Since you're asking if I can, you said something about the character, the the nature of the yeah. grandfather and his brother. Yeah. I don't know. And there was a time in my life when I figured an ever. <clears throat> probably would be better off not to be identified with those guys in a way, if not that I had any choice. But I mean, mill owners weren't particularly beloved uh, and there was a lot of labor management uh, resentment at times. And then they had, you know, and then the Everett Massacre and and uh, I don't think that my family were ever involved in that. I never saw anything to think they were and they didn't have a mill in Everett. But still, it wouldn't have been too surprising if they would have been there saying, hey, get out of here, you guys. The Wobblies had a, you know, it's one thing to be strongly pro-labor. They were, they went, they were kind of were gonna, could go beyond the bounds of what was reasonable to do that sometimes. I mean, they were reputed that they'd come up and blow up buildings and set dynamite charges and try and destroy the businesses that, that they weren't accepted in. Uh, and they were just one element of the labor union, and there were a lot of there were others that were somewhat more established. But anyway, uh, it it I just didn't know what the perception of them would be, other than that they probably had a lot of money and they and they owned a mill and they owned a couple of banks in town, which in fact survived. Uh, but anyway. But I had the neatest time about a year ago, a lady from Lake Stevens, who's a, a professor from Florida, moved there and decided to do some research on my family in, in connection with the history of Lake Stevens. And, hmm. and, she, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and she said it was really interesting. She said uh, the Rucker brothers were regarded in, the, in the, um, the industry of mills and things and the labor relationships as being so far in front of what was the norm that they were really liked and appreciated. They provided lots of jobs. They built homes for the, a lot of the mill workers and the management and the team right basically on the site. And they just provided really well for them and paid them well and, and it was a real harmonious relationship. Sadly though, there were a couple, once and then later there was another fire and it just burned everything to the ground. And the second time they didn't rebuild it. But have you ever heard that the fire was out there, maybe you didn't know anything about it, the fire. But anyway, there was a trestle that kind of went out into the water and and railroad cars could go out there. And I don't know whether they were, what they were gonna do, pick up logs or drop them in or whatever. Anyway, the engine was on that trestle when the fire happened and, the, and it collapsed and the engine went into the water and it's still there to this day. Really? They know where it is. In Lake Stevens. Not, yeah, in Lake Stevens, yeah. Right, wow. kind of right where the town center, the real old town is. Right. Uh, but there was just no way to get it out and then there was no reason to get it out and it would be so prohibitively expensive and what would you get except a beat up old engine, you know. But Wow. Uh, but, it, but everybody knows it's still there. Crazy. But anyway, so I think in answer specifically to your question, I'd like to think that they were kind of liked and respected and uh, and were decent, nice people and cared about employees and the community, you know. Yeah, I read some uh, court transcripts um, where uh, Wyatt Rucker, WJ, um, they... Uh, judge was asking him about I, I think the the court case had had to do with something else but something came up about the the wages with all the the fights around labor and, and it came up that the Rucker brothers actually 
pay, like you said, they paid their workers so well, it wasn't even an issue for them. Their, their workers didn't have anything to strike about yeah. or be a part of all that because they sounded like they, they took good care of their people. So that's something else that, um, yeah, I think that says something about probably well, the type of guys true. they were. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, interestingly, one last thought on your question. My, from what I've been able to ascertain, and I don't know when I say that, who I would have gotten it from, but a feeling. My grandpa was kind of the, the, the in the, the duo of brothers. He was kind of the real nice guy that liked everybody and got married and had kids and everything. And the and his brother was kind of the hard charger, take take charge and run the show. And by golly, we're going to do this, and then we're going to start a bank, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to have a mill, and then we're going to buy land up here. And and he was kind of the entrepreneurial guy, and my grandpa was kind of the guy that would be probably like us. But anyway, I wonder if that's why um, W. J. never got married if he was just too Maybe. busy working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, sometimes you wonder about people like that, and if now, in this day and age, and you'd say, well, did he have some girlfriends, or did he have mistresses, or did he have children no one knew about, or was he gay, or was it whatever? And yeah. you don't know anything about it, but, uh, but I just think he was the guy that made things happen, mm-hmm. kind of, and business-wise. Yeah, and then the the mill you were talking about. So that was, and I think at one point I heard this was maybe the largest mill in all of Washington State. It might have been. I saw pictures of it yesterday. Uh, strangely enough, because we, my, I have a, did I say earlier? I have a bunch of friends that ride bikes twice a week, or I started to say that maybe I didn't. Old guys like me, but we really have a great time riding. Nice everywhere. And we were yesterday. We went from Snohomish to Lake Cassidy, and then back which is like 23 miles, which is a little more than we usually do, but but three of the guys now have bikes with motors on them. Oh, okay. I think we're that all helps. getting that They're way. cheating a bit. But anyway, we came back. Well, one of the guys says, hey, Bill, let's go into Lake Stevens town. I want to show you the house that your your grandpa built out there. And so we all rode in there, and then we, we it wasn't. It was a house that he built for the mill manager, but then the museum is right there. But there, anyway, there were some pills, uh, pictures of that mill and everything. And God, it was big. Yeah, it, I, mean, I was amazed. And, and my understanding is kind of that old town part of Lake Stevens that essentially started because the mill and all those yeah. workers were there, and so they needed supplies I and think things. So. And have you ever heard of a guy named Jim Mitchell? Probably not, because he's no. older than me, I guess, and passed away. But he was a state representative from Lake Stevens. And he was a pharmacist out there who wrote a book about my Lake Stevens, kind of a history of how he loved that community and he grew up there and everything. Anyway, he, uh, he, he said that in there, that he said the Rutgers really played a much greater role in the creation of Lake Stevens, Washington, than they did in the city of Everett because of that mill. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's... He uh, said it, I didn't, but I, you know... Well, I, I never realized they had anything to do with Lake Stevens until I started researching the, all this last year. And then I went to the city of Lake Stevens website. And sure enough, when you look at the history, that's the first thing it says, yeah. you know, Rucker Brothers Mill or, or whatever. And yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. You know, it's kind of funny, but uh, my wife uh, of four years, who's very lovely, and I was lucky, but um, we have concluded that her grandfather worked at the mill in Lake Stevens. So we've now decided she probably worked for... For um, my grandpa. Really? You know. <laughs> Funny. Small world, huh? It is, it is. So I want to circle back 
briefly to uh, the the house that they used to live in on Hoyt at uh, 26 and Hoyt there. And I, I partially think it's interesting because I think they actually lived not only there longer, but then I think your grandma Ruby ended up living on that same block. And so it yeah. seems like, you know, the, the mansion gets all this attention, but really, and I actually live right by that block. So I walk by it regularly. And, and I think this is actually probably. Well, tell me the, you don't live on Rucker. I live on Grand. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit, a bit close to it. But, but I, so I walk by all the time. And, you know, now I believe where that house used to be. I think it's condos now. But I think, gee, wow, this is probably the house they lived in the longest. And then Ruby lived down yeah. the block here. I'm like, this is actually probably the most kind of, you know, Rucker block in Everett. But yeah. I think a lot of people probably have no idea. No, I, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. My grandma just moved to an apartment at the, other, at the south end of that block. Or maybe one more block. But it's mm, okay. right there on Hoyt, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and yeah. funny, I grew up at 10th and Hoyt, so. Oh, funny. We weren't on Rucker, we were on Hoyt. A lot of Rucker history on Hoyt, it turns out. Who knew? But you know, one thing I've thought that was really interesting is I've only seen repeatedly the one photo of the Rucker brothers where they're standing in front of the tree, the really big tree. And I've even seen photos where they just took part of the photo for their faces. Uh, but I haven't found any other photos really of the Rucker brothers. I mean, I think there was one of your grandpa Bethel and his obituary in the paper, maybe, but, but other, yeah. you know, whereas Jane, their mother, there's this beautiful portrait of her. Um, but uh, are there any other photos? You of know, I don't have any except okay. <clears throat> there was one picture I have. That's really weird. <clears throat> when they got married, <clears throat> you tell me what this means. I don't know. <clears throat> they got married and they went to the Orient for a honeymoon and they went to China and Japan and I mean now now that was 19 uh, three or two or one or something like about then you know <clears throat> and here's a picture of them in a being pulled in kind of where they're sitting and I <laughs> and I think it's my my grandpa and his wife my grandmother and then there's somebody in the next row forward and I, I'm thinking it might have been my might have been his brother like he went with him on the honeymoon oh. I there's three people that are dressed <laughs> like that top hats you know quite formal it's a really quite a lovely picture but I don't know who's who in there I just think mm. that it must be that must be who they are interesting but I didn't recognize but you're right there are no pictures of or I've got pictures and there'll be five guys catching fish and hanging them up and, you know, after they've caught trout someplace and you can't tell who's who. Sure. Uh, a lot of that. Yeah. 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 And you haven't even gotten into the resort and the train and that kind of stuff. The resort? What's the resort? Yeah. yeah. What is this? Did I, I miss this part of, of the story? I thought, I, I thought I'd found everything. Maybe not, it turns out. You don't out. know about Big Four? Oh, that's right. I haven't. I, I focused mostly on on the Everett stuff, but that's right. Yeah. So they created the railroad going out to the big four. Let's see, it was a hotel they had out there, well, they right? Built, yeah, they built it. And, <clears throat> and it was quite a nice hotel. And then that died and burned down too. But I don't think, I think they lost money, but I think they thought it was kind of neat. And what era was <clears throat> this? Was this a little later... Yeah, it would like have had, I think in the 20s, maybe? late okay. 20s maybe or something. It probably was before the Depression. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I mean, it was so unrelated, but I think they had land up there because they had lots of land, logging land, you know, that they had, um, that they logged off and put in the mill. But, but it's kind of a unique place. I mean, I've seen pictures of it, and for its time, it looks a little bit like one of those old, smaller, but one of those old uh, National Canadian Railroad or Mar railroads where they'd have a lodge and a national park, you know, those kind of things. You can go to places like that now and back mm. and stay. And it look, it was kind of a neat facility without being extravagant at all. Yeah. But they did a lot of things. They just didn't end up with a lot of money, but they, but they didn't end up broke either, you know. Yeah, it seems like they were real entrepreneurial and just kind of dreamers. Like they weren't afraid yeah. to kind of try these big Absolutely. things. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what inspires me so much about their story. I just think it's so cool. I, I am curious. I, I know we already touched on the tomb and you mentioned the statue that used to be up there. And I thought I had found a photo that showed the statue and I thought, oh, that's so cool. I can, can see it. But then I realized the image looked different. I think it was a rendering or like a painting but the statue did exist. Yeah, I, I, funny, Dave Dilgard, you know, familiar with that name? Yeah, he used library? to be at the, yeah, the Northwest yeah. Room in yeah, the library. Yeah, a neat guy, and, and, uh, and he was telling me that he thought there was, and he could see where the mountain was. Anyway, I found mm. a picture one time a couple of years ago, or five, and took it to him and said, you're right. Oh, cool. There's a picture of it. It's just a little, it's just about that big. But okay. Little old lady standing there. But so there is a photo of that statue. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. I don't know what happened to it. Huh. I mean, I still have it, but somewhere. But um. hmm. Very cool. And then, um, so Margaret Rucker, your aunt, uh, I feel like her, her story is fairly well known. We, we were talking about the book earlier that uh, Jason Webley and some artists uh, put, put together. She, she was a poet and uh, had a bit of a tragic life, and unfortunately. Um, I'm curious if you knew her very well or if you, you know, if you have memories of her. Yeah, I do. I mean, <clears throat> as I said, I only had one aunt or uncle and it was her, Aunt Peggy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and actually she was a delightful lady and really smart. And she was a poet, although that she didn't do it for a living. She just was. Sure. She, yeah, she married a guy who was uh, from the South, was in the Navy, and he ultimately <clears throat> he ultimately was, and I know you don't want to go into great detail on that, but he was a guy who ended up being a communications officer in the Pacific. And when the Second World War concluded and the Japanese surrendered, uh, they did so on a battleship in the harbor there near Tokyo, and he was the at that point, he was a commanding officer of the communications for the Pacific Fleet in that area. So he was on the ship when the Japanese surrendered, and it was kind of a real formal ceremony and everything. And so in my house, um, he got, don't ask me why I've got it, but it's probably that tall maybe, a, a heavy, seriously heavy uh, binoculars that are mounted on a, on a pole that's like three or four feet, so you could stand there and look through them, and then a, you know, and then a base like that that would screw into the back of to the ship, and it was off the Japanese aircraft carrier that kind of like it was a trophy that they gave him at that time. Oh wow! Uh, and then, but they don't work. But it's got Japanese engraved writing on it and things. It's kind of interesting to look at. Huh. But he and he became and he ended up retiring as a rear admiral. But then, yeah. But then you read he killed himself later when mm. his wife and 
fairly small son were right in the next room. I mean, it was a real, it was a real tragedy. And I think she ended up alcoholic problems. <clears throat> yeah. But she was a neat lady and nice person. Yeah, I liked her. Hmm. And he was a great guy, Uncle Red and Aunt Peggy. It just didn't turn out well for him. Hmm. So she went by Aunt Aunt Peggy. To me, but Margaret you called was her, her name, yeah. Okay, that was just kind of like her, her nickname or just yeah. what you called there. Huh. Interesting. Very cool. I'm curious what part of your um, family's history that you find the most interesting. Well, that's a good question. I can't think I've ever really given it a whole lot of thought. I probably am more truthfully in tune with the stuff we've been talking about and the questions you're asking now almost more than I was earlier in my life. I don't know. You know, when you're growing up, you're just doing your thing. And uh, I mean, you know, if I had, I talked about regrets. If I had one more regret other than talking to the people like that, it would be, my grandparents were really loving grandparents and they really liked me and they cared about me and they were real supportive and encouraging. And And I look back now and say, and I was so damn busy in high school and all that I didn't pay them any attention at all. I mean, did I ever call them up and say, Grandma, I really love you. I just want you to know that. Or no, I was really nice to them when I saw them. But I, um, and now that I'm a grandparent, I realize that's the way it is. The kids love you, but everybody's doing their thing, and they're busy, and they've got lives. And I mean, I can I can appreciate it now, but I wish I, when I was younger, I had appreciated it then because because uh, they were really special people. I mean, they weren't unapproachable or rigid or stiff or overly formal or anything like that. They were just regular, nice, caring grandparents. You know. You know, maybe that's why, I mean, throughout the course of this whole interview, I've been thinking, you know, how we talked about how all the other founders like split, right? But the Rutgers always stayed and how you describe them and the family it feels like they just fit Everett, the the vibe, the feeling of Everett, the way that Everett's, a, you know, it's an everyman town or it was back then. It's, this is a worker's town. It feels like they fit in with that, even though they were founders, even though they built a mansion, quote unquote, a mansion yeah. on a hill seemed like they had more in common with the working man than you know the yeah, upper echelon i think that's fair because they didn't have anything really originally uh and you know ever just i mean maybe you don't understand this or maybe you do or something <clears throat> Everett is a town that has never i would say had a real discernible uh, social, economic elite group. I mean, where everybody just said there's 10 or 20 family. I mean, you go to Seattle, you go to most places, and people will tell you the names of the families that, you know, I mean, and now it's probably now more. It's like Gates and all the families that have all the, that kind of money in the, the dot-coms and the all the different communications and and uh, industry that has made billions of dollars for people. But Everett has kind of been a place where, by and large, the, those that have had more money than others don't flaunt it. Yep. They don't particularly live that way. I, I, at least I think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that's I think that's good. I, th- I think your point is well taken. I think that they just wanted to fit in, and you know they probably did more with people that had. People do that. You tend to associate with people that kind of are kind of like you. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when immigrants move to a place and they all settle in the same neighborhood because they have something in common with each other. Right. And that's that's one thing I've 
I've kind of wondered about their original kind of vision and, and intent and, and what drew them to, to Everett and, and the Bay of Port Gardner. Because uh, there's this story I've read. I've, I've actually read the story and one attributed it to uh, WJ and the other attributed it to BJ. I don't know who actually it was, but it says they were on the boat and that they rounded the bend of Mukilteo and it was the first time that he had laid eyes on, on Everett or, you know, Port Gardner Bay. And, and he thought, oh, that looks like a nice place to build a ranch. And, you know, it's back when it's just all wooded. And then my understanding when the Rucker brothers filed the uh, original plat for the city, it was going to be called Port Gardner and it was going to be much smaller than what ended up right, becoming. Yeah. And, and so part, part of me just does think that combining that information with the fact that they stayed of like, yeah, did they just really also love kind of Port Gardner and that view of, of the water and kind of being on this, you know, seaside area? I think that's true, Garrett, but I think there was a, an, uh, I think it maybe had a little more to do with potential growth and in industrial development than it did just that it was kind of a pretty setting. I think right. I think they thought in terms of uh, natural harbor with a river that comes out, which is where most cities get built anywhere in the world. Um, it just made some sense uh, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. They did it, and yeah, I don't know which one of them would have said it, or you know. <laughs> not only, as you said, somebody else told me this once. Maybe Larry O'Donnell, or somebody that kind of does research on things, uh, or maybe that lady from Lake Stevens that I was talking about. But um, that not only are there not pictures of those guys, there are no written communications to speak of. I mean, you, you don't mm. see where they are quoted in the paper as saying this, or they were in charge of that, or they, they just didn't operate that way. Um, they were just kind of, I don't know, beneath the surface exactly, but uh, uh, they just, just didn't necessarily care to have everybody paying attention and watching what they were doing and or even knowing it, I think, you know. Right couple more quick questions. Are there any kind of common misconceptions about the story that you hear? Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I think the misconceptions that I've referred to are probably my own. You know, probably as a kid who was self-conscious, adopted didn't bother me one way or the other. In fact, (laughs) I didn't know I was adopted until I was eight years old one time and I was walking home and a guy, one of my friends said, hey, Bill, you know, what's it like to be adopted? And I said, what, what do you mean? What's adopted mean? And they told me what it was. And I just went home and said to my mom, am, am I adopted? And she said, well, she said, you know, we wanted to have children and we tried for a while and we could never have any children. So she said, we knew this doctor. And so he took us to the hospital and he said, you can, <laughs> you can pick out the cutest baby that's here in the hospital. You can pick out whichever <laughs> one you want. So we picked out you. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And that's about the only conversation we ever had on it. Um, Funny. Uh, so, no, I wouldn't say specifically your question. I, I, I don't think that anything stands out. Sure. Okay. Okay. Or if I didn't quite answer it, do it. Ask me again. Um, well, slightly different question. Um, is, is there anything that you wish people knew um, a, a, about the Rucker family history? Parts that have gotten left out no i just hope people appreciate that they were good people who had 
good motives and lived good lives and uh, and really cared about the community and um, and they acted that way and they put their money where their mouth was and they lived here and they died here and and they loved it yeah well bill thank you so much for uh for your time and coming to uh share with us today i really appreciate it thanks hey you guys i enjoyed meeting you and it was fun even though i talked way too much but it was it's fun to explore these things and sometimes when you ask a question it makes me think about something i have never really thought about before or ever articulated you know so. mm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, Garrett here along with producer Henry, of course. And today we have a special guest with us, uh, Officer Kirby Duncan from the Everett Police Department. Thanks for uh, being here. Of course, thank you for having me. So uh, we're going to play some five fast favorites. Uh, We're going to ask you five questions. You'll have uh, 60 seconds. And normally you'd win a prize, but I know you're a city employee and can't do the the gift thing. Unfortunately, no no gifts for us, but... You'll, you'll, you'll win our respect, though. We'll see how it goes first. Yeah, we'll okay. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. All right, so Henry, you got your eye on the clock? Yes. Okay, here we go. So, uh, your favorite place in Everett to tell friends about? Uh, I'm going to go with an easy one, just Funko. Okay, and uh, favorite place in Everett to get outside? Uh, I'm going to go with Howarth Park. If you've ever been down there, it has a, a nice beach area with an off-leash dog park. The dog loves it. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, your favorite place in Everett, hands down? Hands down? Uh, probably Funko Field. I love Aqua Sox games. I get to work them there sometimes. And just absolutely love baseball and love Funko Field. Nice. What is your favorite annual event in Everett? I've been working nights for the last few years, so this is my first year on days where I got to go to Cruz and Colby. That blew my mind. It's so many great food trucks and awesome cars. I had a wonderful time. Nice. And what is your favorite hidden gem in Everett? Hidden gem? Ooh. I don't know if this is still hidden gem, but I don't know if you guys have been to Taco Book up at 12th and Broadway. Oh, yes. That is amazing. Like food truck type quality, or food truck type tacos, but really high quality. I love it. Nice. Made it with five seconds to spare. There you go. Bada bing. Nice work. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Of course. You can help support Live in Everett with a donation to our Patreon. Even a dollar a month helps us deliver stories, videos, and this podcast about good things that happen in Everett every single week. Want to know more? Head over to our uh, Patreon page at patreon.com slash liveineverett to donate today and help support Live in Everett. Thanks for listening to the Live in Everett podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please help others discover it as well by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leaving a review. If you'd like to drop us a line, you sure can. Podcast at liveinever.com or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. Huge thanks to Bill Rucker and Kirby Duncan for joining us today. Special thanks to, of course, Oliver Elfarmy for our theme music. And to our producer, Henry J. Oh, thanks, Tyler. You're welcome. Good things happen in Everett because of you, so thanks so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great week. This is why we're Ever till the grave